Krishna and we are continuing with Sri Ishopanishad. We started reading introduction yesterday, we're on page number 5. There is a spiritual sky. There is another nature that is beyond manifestation and non-manifestation. But how will you know that there is a sky where the planets and inhabitants are eternal? All this knowledge is there, but how will you make experiments? It is not possible. Therefore, you have to take the assistance of the Vedas. This is called Vedic knowledge. It's called Vedic knowledge. In our Krishna consciousness movement, we are accepting knowledge from the highest authority, Krishna. Krishna is accepted as the highest authority by all classes of men. I'm speaking first of the two classes of transcendentalists. One class of transcendentalists is called impersonalist, Mayavadi. They are generally known as Vedantists, led by Shankaracharya. And there is another class of transcendentalists is called known as uh, Vaishnavas, like Ramanuja Acharya, Madhvacharya, Vishnu Swami. Both the Shankara Sampradaya and the Vaishnava Sampradaya have accepted Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Shankaracharya is supposed to be an impersonalist who preached impersonalism, impersonal Brahman, but it is a fact that he is a covered personalist. In his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, he wrote, Narayana, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is beyond this cosmic manifestation. And then again, he confirms, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narayana, is Krishna. He has come as the son of Devaki and Vasudeva. He has particularly mentioned the names of his father and his mother. So Krishna is accepted as the Supreme Personality of Godhead by all transcendentalists. There is no doubt about it. Our knowledge, our source of knowledge in Krishna consciousness is directly from Krishna, Bhagavad Gita. We have published Bhagavad Gita as it is because we accept Krishna as he is speaking without any interpretation. That is Vedic knowledge. Since the Vedic knowledge is pure, we accept it. Whatever Krishna says, we accept. That is Krishna consciousness. That saves much time. If you accept the right authority or the source of knowledge, then you save much time. For example, there are two systems of knowledge in the material world, inductive and deductive. From deductive, you accept that man is mortal. Your father says man is mortal, your sister says man is mortal, everyone says man is mortal, but you do not experiment. You accept it as a fact that man is mortal. If you want to research to find out whether man is mortal, you have to study each and every man and you may come to think that there may be some man who is not dying, 
but you have not seen him yet. So in this way, your researching will never be finished. This process is called in Sanskrit Aroha, the ascending process. If you want to attain knowledge by any personal endeavor, by exercising your imperfect senses, you will never come to the right conclusions. That is not possible. There is a statement in Brahma Samhita. Just ride on the airplane which runs at the speed of mind. Our material airplanes can run 2000 miles per hour. But what is the speed of mind? You are sitting at home. You immediately think of India, say 10,000 miles away. And at once it is in your home. Your mind has gone there. The mind speed is so swift. Therefore, it is stated if you travel at this speed for millions of years, you'll find that the spiritual sky is unlimited. It is not possible even to approach it. Therefore, the Vedic injunction is that one must approach. The word compulsory is used. A bona fide spiritual master, a guru. And what is the qualification of a spiritual master? He has rightly heard the Vedic message from the right source. Otherwise, he is not bona fide. He must practically be firmly established in Brahman. These are the two qualities. This Krishna consciousness movement is completely authorized from Vedic principles. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, The actual aim of Vedic research is to find, find out Krishna. In the Brahma Samhita, it is also stated, Krishna, Govinda, has innumerable forms, but they are all one. They are not like our forms, which are fallible. His form is infallible. My form has a beginning, but his form has no beginning. It is Ananta. And his form, so many multiforms, has no end. My form is sitting here and not in my apartment. You are sitting there and not in your apartment. But Krishna can be anywhere at one time. Remember, he's saying that I'm sitting here, you're sitting there, not in your apartment, because this is a lecture, right? Prabhupada uh, gave this lecture in London at some auditorium. Yes. But Krishna can be anywhere at one time. He can sit down in Goloka Vrindavana and at the same time he is everywhere, all pervading. He is original, the oldest. But whenever you look at a picture of Krishna, you'll find a young boy of 15-20 years old. You will never find an old man. You have seen pictures of Krishna as a charioteer from Bhagavad Gita. At that time he was not less than 100 years old. He had great-grandchildren, but he looked just like a boy. Krishna, God, never becomes old. That is his supreme power. And if you want to 
search out Krishna by studying the Vedic literature, then you will be baffled. It may be possible, but it is very difficult. But you can very easily learn about him from his devotee. His devotee can deliver him to you. Here he is, take him. That is the potency of Krishna's devotees. Originally there was only one Veda, and there was no necessity of reading it. People were so intelligent and had such sharp memories that by once hearing from the lips of the spiritual master, they would understand. They would immediately grasp the whole purport. But 5000 years ago, Vyasadeva put the Vedas in writing for the people in this age, Kali Yuga. He knew that eventually the people would be short-lived, their memories would be very poor, and their intelligence would not be very sharp. Therefore, let me teach this Vedic knowledge in writing." In quotes. He divided the Vedas into four, Rik, Sama, Atharva and Yajur. Then he gave the charge of these Vedas to his different disciples. He then brought on of the less he then thought, thought of the less intelligent class of men, Stri, Shudra and Vijabandu. He considered the women class and Shudra class, worker class and Dvijabandu. Dvijabandu refer refers to those who are born in a high family but who are not properly qualified. A man born in the family of a Brahmana who is not qualified as a Brahmana is called Dvijabandu. For these persons he compiled Mahabharata called the History of India and the 18 Puranas. These are all Vedic literatures, the Puranas, the Mahabharata, the Four Vedas and the Upanishads. The Upanishads are part of the Vedas. Then Vyasadeva summarized all Vedic knowledge for scholars and philosophers in what is called the Vedanta Sutra. This is the last word of the Vedas. Vyasadeva personally wrote Vedanta Sutra under the instructions of Narada, his Guru Maharaj, spiritual master. But still he was not satisfied. There is a long story described in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Vyasadeva was not very satisfied even after compiling many Puranas, Upanishads and even after Vedanta Sutra. Then his spiritual master Narada instructed him, you explain Vedanta. Vedanta means ultimate knowledge and the ultimate knowledge is Krishna. Krishna says that throughout all the Vedas one has to understand Krishna. Vedanta krid chaham. Krishna says, I am the compiler of Vedanta and I am the knower of the Vedas. Therefore, the ultimate objective is Krishna. That is explained in all the Vaishnava commentaries on Vedanta Sutra. 
we, Gaudiya Vaishnavas, have our commentary on Vedanta philosophy called Govinda Bhashya by Baladeva Vidyabhushana. Similarly, Ramanujacharya has a commentary and Madhavacharya has one. The version of Shankaracharya is not the only commentary. There are many Vedanta commentaries, but because the Vaishnavas did not present the first Vedanta commentary, people under, are under the wrong impression that Shankaracharya's is the only Vedanta commentary. Besides that, Vyasadeva himself wrote the perfect Vedanta commentary, Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam also begins with the first words of the Vedanta Sutra, Janmadhyasya Yataha. And that Janmadhyasya Yataha is fully explained in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The Vedanta Sutra simply hints at what is Brahman, the Absolute Truth. The Absolute Truth is that from whom everything emanates. This is a summary, but it is explained in detail in Srimad Bhagavatam. If everything is emanating from the Absolute Truth, then what is the nature of the Absolute Truth? That is explained in Srimad Bhagavatam. The Absolute Truth must be conscious, Svarat. He is self-effulgent. We develop our consciousness and knowledge by receiving knowledge from others. But for him it is said that he is self-effulgent. The whole summary of Vedic knowledge is the Vedanta Sutra. And the Vedanta Sutra is explained by the writer himself in the Srimad Bhagavatam. We're going to read Srimad Bhagavatam like after we read all the small books and the big books. Uh -huh. We finally request those who are actually after Vedic knowledge to try to understand the explanation of all Vedic knowledge from the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita. We have completed the introduction and tomorrow we're going to start with the invocation mantra and the first mantra, mantra 1. So we have a total of 17 mantras. So this is a very deep and very scientific and um, incredible book and I hope you will dive in. Um, to be honest, I remember the first time I opened it I read the invocation mantra, I was only like 15-16 years old. I read the invocation mantra, I was like, whoa, that's like mind-blowing. I considered it very heavy, like heavy philosophy for me. But actually, like, now it's like almost more than 10 years later, like you read it and then you finally find that, yes, this is the truth, <laughs> you know, in this uh, complicated and seemingly like difficult to understand world, the world which is difficult to understand. When you read uh, Prabhupada's books, when you read Shastra, when you read, this is like Ishopanishad is Shruti, like it's it's like, it's Veda. So when you read the, these books, 
then you really understand, <laughs> you begin to understand what the world is, who you are, and who is the Supreme Lord. So, yes, so we're going to dive in tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in today. The link to this book is in the description, so please check it out and read along and reread <laughs> if you like. And yes, so we'll see you next time. Hi, Krishna.